the main problem with vertical ventilation is it makes things worse uh, as far as the temperatures and even the conditions inside as far as visibility. All the things that we thought we used to get from vertical ventilation as far as benefits have been proven to be erroneous. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. Federal Resources Studio. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service, just like you, from coast to coast. With more and more firefighters being injured as they work to ventilate roofs during a structure fire, we need to ask, why are we still putting crews up there in the first place? Isn't it time to admit that vertical ventilation is an obsolete concept? My guest today says it is. Mark Cotter is a third-generation firefighter who entered public service in 1974. He served in several departments, including one in which he rose to the rank of fire chief. In 2002, Mark joined the Salisbury, Maryland Fire Department a combination department, as a volunteer. He became a captain, and he's currently an engineer. And Mark Cotter joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. It seems like we're hearing more and more reports of firefighters falling through roofs. Is the benefit of vertical ventilation worth the risk? Oh, I don't think so. I The main problem with vertical ventilation is it makes things worse uh, as far as the temperatures and even the conditions inside as far as visibility. All the things that we thought we used to get from vertical ventilation as far as benefits have been proven to be erroneous and they just don't occur. Now, just to make it clear, my focus has been about the benefits of vertical ventilation or the lack thereof. I haven't focused so much on the amount of injuries, and I bring that up because while it's not a nothing to ignore, plenty of folks are looking at statistics and saying there aren't that many people injured, or that uh, there's really no numbers that support uh, the contention that it's a safety issue. And really, what I focused on is just the science, which has been very clear that there is no justifiable benefit to performing vertical ventilation. And that tactic in particular is one of the more difficult ways to get smoke out of a building. That's my focus has been on just the the science effects. Although, again, the safety and efficiency and timing and lots of other reasons argue against it, but really just the science doesn't support doing it anymore. So from your point of view, you simply wouldn't put people up on the roof to cut holes anymore. The whole process of performing ventilation before fire control 
has been debunked as a benefit. We used to think that when we were able to release the smoke and heat that it made the fire better. And the fact is when we do ventilation before fire control, while it's still a ventilation limited fire, which is most of the fires we go to, uh, it makes things hotter and worse even inside the building, despite the amount of flames and smoke and heat and everything else that gets blown out, there's even more heat that goes inside. And that was the surprising thing that the research found. Uh, it makes things worse inside. If you are able to control the fire first, and control, I mean, by turning it into a fuel-limited state, uh, cooling the fire, it's no longer blazing freely. Or if you use positive pressure ventilation or positive pressure attack, where you're actually using uh, air pressure to push the products of combustion out, then uh, you can you can open up before the fire is under control. But otherwise, really, it's it's a tactic that should be performed after the fire is under control, after it's in a fuel-limited state. And in my thinking, that turned it into more of a overhaul-type activity. And, you know, do you risk your life to do overhaul? Do you risk your life just to remove smoke? And, uh, again, not to, not to minimize the importance of removing smoke and heat. I mean, you, you need to clear out the structure to facilitate search and to benefit the rest of the activities and you have to get the smoke and heat out but it doesn't have the same necessity or priority that it that it did when we believed that it was actually benefiting things so with all that in mind why do we continue to put crews on the roof in so many structure fire situations well it's 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 hard to turn a ship around. So many of us, uh, generations of firefighters, were taught that this is what you had to do, uh, that uh, it's necessary. It's we, we even hardwired it into our approach. We have the duties of first arriving companies a lot of times are predicated on the fact that they do ventilation. The truck companies, ladder companies, are it's one of their automatic assignments. And again, there was just this strong belief that it made things better. The... Uh, one of the problems or one of the confusion things that came from the research was that they noted that vertical ventilation was actually the most efficient method of removing heat and smoke, uh, as in a chimney. If you if you open up the roof, the hot air is going to rise and things are going to clear out a little faster than if you just do it horizontally by opening a window or door. And that's true, but... Uh, one of the things that I pointed out in one of my articles was that uh, it also assumes that it's that you already have an opening. If you have to actually create an opening, in other words, you have to put a crew on the roof, you have to cut down, you have to you know, choose the right spot, and all the other things that are associated with it, it's actually a very inefficient way to do it. And again, since you have to wait until after the fire is under control, then once the fire is under control, what's the benefit in that case? You can turn on the fan, you can use the interior hose line to hydraulically ventilate, and there's a lot more efficient ways to do it than to put a crew on the roof. But it, we still do it because it, it's habit. It's The, the information's not necessarily uh, accepted by everyone, uh, by any means. There are a lot of strong proponents of vertical ventilation. And you know, personally, I think a, a lot of people take a lot of pride in their ability to do vertical ventilation. And they're very good at it, and uh, this is kind of a, a threatening thing that you know we're going to say that this is just stop doing this. It's 
I can't imagine another profession that had this specialization and someone comes along and say, okay, we don't need to do this anymore. It's, you know, it affects our, our sense of self-worth in a lot of cases, but it's, it's difficult to, to uh, accept. And it's also difficult to understand. I mean, it, it or at least, uh, you know, it, it is so contrary to our training and even our experience. You know, we thought that uh, opening up the roof would, lighten things up for us and make it easier to make the push and and we trained and we we yelled at people if they didn't open up fast and and now you know the science kind of debunked all of those beliefs and it's still uh you know it's it's been our approach for so long that it's difficult to to discard it i'll be back with more right after this when that call comes in and you rush to head out the last thing you're thinking about is your safety but your safety is all Federal Resources thinks about. At Federal Resources, we work to make sure that every responder is equipped, trained, and ready to come home safely. You look out for everyone else. Let us look out for you. Learn more at federalresources.com. I know your articles or your blog entries on this subject have generated some, let's say, passionate responses. Some people have been very angry. Tell me about that. I blog on the Fire Engineering Training Network, and it requires that people who respond uh, do so uh, by their name. There's no anonymous posting done. And uh, that has meant that most of the comments I get are pretty well reasoned. Uh, I get people who maybe debate the science or the finding of the science or um, you know, maybe debate my take on it. And, and I'm okay with that. A lot of the other criticism that you talk about comes on the more anonymous things on like the Facebook and, and some formats that are, that are, uh, not really refereed, and fortunately, I don't really participate in those, so I, I'm not really exposed to that. And the folks that I've uh, engaged with, you know, they've been, even if we've disagreed, you know, we've tried to be respectful and, and point out uh, our beliefs and differences and such. And frankly, the research is ongoing. The Underwriters Laboratories is performing uh experiments now and I believe in Ohio uh, where they're doing burns and uh, I've heard some of the preliminary things and so far it looks like it's confirming uh, the beliefs that I'm promoting but uh, you know we, we just always have to wait and see you know what the research shows but so far you know there, there's been just continued support for abandoning any kind of ventilation beforehand the the vertical part of it is just, again, my I've taken that on as a uh, one of the topics, just kind of connecting the dots. If if ventilation before fire control is bad, and we have to wait until after fire control to do ventilation, then why are we bothering going up and cutting a hole in the roof for the safety, the efficiency, the timing, the the cost, the damage done to the building, and some of that caused a lot of the passion because people thought that I was trading the the 
cost of damage to a building for, say, a life saved and things like that. And uh, that's certainly not what I was proposing at all. What I'm saying is that we have a process that has absolutely no benefit. So anything we do is a waste. The, the effort we have, the, the risk that we get involved in, any damage we do to the home, just the fact that we are utilizing our resources, two or three or more firefighters and their equipment to go perform a function that is not helpful and, and really not needed, then that's the that's my argument. Let's do something else with those folks. Have them search. Have them uh, put a second line in. Have them whatever. Um, find something useful for them to do. Turn on the fan. <laughs> So it sounds like you believe that there will come a day that going up to the roof to ventilate will just be something that we talk about as a past activity, but that we don't do anymore. Sure. I, I, I think that'll be the case. I've been accused of claiming that time is now, maybe prematurely, and uh, you know, history will tell uh, whether I'm right or not. But it, it'll go the way, I, I believe it'll go the way of riding on the back step of a fire truck that we thought was, you know, so necessary to be able to make a rapid deployment. It'll go the way of open cab fire trucks. I mean, they, they, my, my first uh, department had open cab fire trucks until the manufacturers started charging extra to cut the top off of the new cabs. So they, they finally got enclosed cabs and, uh, you know, they thought that it was necessary to be able to view what they're coming up on and you know you can go on and on and on and it it may in fact be cyclical it, it could come the day that uh, when firefighters have jetpacks and we're able to open up roofs a lot easier with lasers or whatever that that it'll be helpful to do just like uh, the day of doing external streams we had abandoned that for a generation or so thinking that, okay, that's not the way to put out a fire efficiently. We found that going in and putting the fire out is the way to go. But now we're circling back to say that, well, you know, external streams aren't bad if you do it correctly and you understand their limitations. So, but yeah, I, I think that uh, vertical ventilation as it's performed now needs to be abandoned, probably will be abandoned. The uh, One of the criticisms I got was that there's a potential to be cited for negligence. If you send a crew up to the roof and they fall through and someone who has uh, read the research can say, well, what were they doing up there? What were you expecting to get? What were you trying to accomplish? And then we've seen cases where that has, uh, while not necessarily been cited for negligence, you can look at the research and look at the video and say, well, you know, what was the, was the that? So that, you know, that, that's a potential also. Um, and, you know, I mentioned an article one time, we used to uh, kind of look down our noses when, when members of the public would ask, oh, what are you doing up on the roof? How can you cut a hole in the roof and the fire's on the, uh, on the inside of the building? Why are you doing all that? And we would have to calmly explain why we were releasing the heat and uh, same thing about attacking from the unburned side. Well, the fire's on the front porch. I can went to the back door. We'd explain why it was important to go to the back and attack from the unburned side. And now, when you look at the research, we go, well, I guess they... The public <laughs> was right all along. Yeah, we were, uh, you know, it, it seemed like a good idea at the time. and But now, we don't have to do that anymore. Uh, you know, the, the at least not as a as a general rule. One of the things that motivated me the last my write or write my last uh, uh, article really condemning vertical ventilation was the fact that a lot of 
respected uh, experts are coming out against it. The, the blue card command system has abandoned it as a recommended tactic. Is uh, that right? I was not aware of that. Yep, that was, uh, I learned that about a year and a half ago at FDIC, I guess in 2017 or 2016, uh, that they had uh, taken it off. And the uh, I, I cited that the FDNY, uh, which so many uh, fire departments look at as a real street lab for techniques and for, you know, the way things should be done, uh, they have not done vertical ventilation on peak roofs in at least a generation. I mean, it's part of their SOPs is they don't do that. And when they pointed that, when I pointed that out, there was a, kind of a hue and cry that, well, that's just because they, they don't have to do it very often or they, and there was a lot of disbelief that that was really their SOP, but it really is. They, they don't cut open roofs on peak roofs, which is what we're talking about. Uh, right, all of the, on homes, typically. On homes, correct, yeah. Yeah. The research, and what I usually cite is, is what the finding for the UL and NIST research, which is one and two family residences, one and two story uh, buildings, basically your your common residences of common construction, and what they found as far as the uh, the effects of ventilation, so and the ill effects of ventilation. So. That, that's what I'm looking at. Now, certainly, you still have to send a crew on the roof for commercial fires and to do inspections and do, you know, for, for size up, et cetera, et cetera. Although, you can make a strong argument that if, uh, uh, and again, the, this is getting beyond the research, but if uh, ventilation doesn't work on a single-family home, is it going to work on a warehouse? Is it going to work on a, a repair shop and, and all the other things, too? So, uh, But that's uh, that's not something that has been... Uh, researched and it looks like the only constant in firefighting is change oh (laughs) that's for sure okay mark cotter thanks for talking with us today on code three it's been my pleasure scott thanks for having me and we put some more information about reasons you might want to stay off the roof on our website at code3podcast.com slash vertical check it out Now, here's your trivia question. Name the two types of ventilation methods performed in conjunction with either vertical or horizontal ventilation. I'll have the answer right after this. If you like Code 3, you'll love the Code 3 Bull Session. It's more discussion with our guests on any topic. Sometimes it's serious. Anywhere from 14 to 18,000 volts of electricity shot into my right hand and exited my right leg and right arm. Spent about four and a half months in a burn unit. Sometimes it's not so serious. And once again, I I refer to the late Chief Brunacini. I can remember when his book first came out, Fire Ground Command, there were people that were ready to hang him in effigy. And, And nowadays we refer to him as Saint Bruno. But it's only available to patrons of Code 3. Find out what you've been missing. Go to Code3Podcast.com slash support. Pledge just $10 a month to support Code 3, and you'll get immediate access to all the bull sessions in our library and future interviews as we post them. Become a patron today. Here's the trivia answer. The two types of ventilation methods performed in conjunction with either vertical or horizontal ventilation are natural and mechanical. That was almost a trick question.
All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. I'd love to hear what you think of this show, or if you have any ideas for guests or anything else. Just email me, scott at code3podcast.com. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me then. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, I'll see you later. Code 3 is made possible through the generous support of Federal Resources. Visit them at federalresources.com. This show is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to code3podcast.com.